Bored. Bored, 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 bored. You've only been here 12 hours. Only? You know, Mark, it's a powerful word, only. It might have been specifically created to diffuse the outrageous. Sail now on. This speed bike, only 52,000 credits. What's the fuss? I only burgled one house. And we have only been waiting around kicking our heels in this transit station for 12 hours. These others have been waiting too? Yes, and they don't look much happier than us. I say us, me. You remain annoyingly chipper. I can't help my programming. <laughs> no luck, I'm afraid. There aren't any shuttles leaving for at least four hours. Four hours?! How do you humans cope without instantaneous travel? There's so much loitering around. Not usually. This is a busy transit station. The workers here are moving in and out of the solar system all the time. People don't usually have to wait more than an hour. Well, lucky old them. The sooner we find this chap, the better. Well, it's a bit tricky without a name. He created a workable time travel system in this period that is genius level. You would think there'd be records. He did assist in sending many criminals to jail. Maybe he doesn't want to be found. Well, then he's out of luck, because if I'm going to get back on the right side of history, then I need time tech. And in this era, he's the only one who could supply it. The only one I can meet, anyway. And if Anya's friend in the SSS science division doesn't know where he is? Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Actually, a bridge would probably be quicker. I'm sorry, I have no idea why there are no shuttles. I tried to find out, even showed my credentials to the station controller. No luck. Well, I have something better than space security service credentials. Take a look at that. Isn't that the ID you showed Sheldrake? Yeah, just look at it. Grand High Prince of Scaro. Ooh, your imagination works in strange ways. What are you talking about? It says, The Doctor. And your imagination can do with some work. It's psychic paper. Opens doors better than a sonic screwdriver. Come on. Hello there, are you the controller? You look like a controller. Who are you? This is a restricted area? Here are my credentials. Earth examiner just returned from the planet Vulcan. Earth examiner, I see. But you still shouldn't be here. Well, we don't want to be here. We want to leave. My personal bodyguard, Ms. Kingdom... Hello, me again. ...tells me that there aren't any shuttle departures. Not for now. Look, examiner, I'm sorry, but I should have been told you were coming. We arrived discreetly. The last work group. And that's how we like to leave, discreetly, so... You know, you just rustle up a shuttle for us. That'd be brilliant. I'm afraid we've had to clear the flight schedule. No ships, in or out. None at all. That seems an odd choice for a transit station. Why did you clear the schedule? Why? Oh, um... Whoa, whoa, whoa that did not feel good. Oh, it felt like... Hang on. Get away from there. Accessing external cameras. Putting them on screen. No ships, you say? That looks like a ship to me. Yes, a great big one docking with this station. Get out. Anya, bring up the internal cameras for that docking station. Doing it. Hey, quick, move yourselves! Space pirates. They're armed. Okay. Well, on the plus side, the next bit won't be as boring as the last 12 hours. Controller, do you have weapons on board? This is a commercial way station, not a warship. You must have some means to protect yourself from pirates. Protocol is we lock down the flight deck and keep ourselves secure until they leave. Fine for you. I'm sure the passengers in the departure lounge will love being left in the line of fire. That's where the pirates are heading, straight for the lounge. Get it on screen. There you go. Here they come. Are they going to rob them? That doesn't make sense. 
No, it doesn't. It's a massacre. People are dying on your station. You can't just stand by and watch. What else can I do? Mark, Anya. Ready when you are. You want to know what to do? We'll show you. I know, I saw them. But we're unarmed, remember? You insisted. It'll be more discreet, you said. And it was, wasn't it? Nobody noticed us. Well, now they're not going to notice our corpses. I never use guns, I'm still here. You can regenerate. Why would pirates attack a transit station? Especially one as dilapidated as this? Good question. Wondering the same thing myself. It's not exactly rich pickings, is it? They're alive. No sign of the pirates. Hello there, I'm the doctor. Do you mind if I have a look at you? He was me. Whoa, whoa, all right, all right, all right. Sorry. There's a puncture wound in the suit, you see that? Yeah, no obvious injury, though. No. The guns the pirates used, they sounded weird. Sort of like a spitting sound. Oh, I noticed that. Whoa! I oh. think the pirates just disconnected their ship. Already? What's this about? They shoot this lot and the crew and they don't take any booty. Is that right? Booty? People still say booty. Oh, Doctor, our friend's getting up. Oh, all right. All right. Take it easy, Vada. You've been shot. So maybe you should... Like... Whoa! Ah, calm down. We're friends. Friends. They all seem to be recovering now. Yeah, but they don't seem happy. What would you be? No. I'm a friend. Ah! What got into him? What's got into all of them? I don't know, but it looks like they're going to kill each other. Not just each other, they're going to kill us. Kill them! Get them! Run! Yeah, that won't hold up for long. We need to get off the station. There are live pods in the rear section. It isn't far. Right. Wait! Someone's coming! Oh, hello, controller. You look, um, well, not great, if I'm honest. Yeah, that locking yourself in thing doesn't seem to have worked well. Kill you! Must kill you! Die! Right, yes. I mean, sorry if I'm not myself, but... Run! Kill you! Must kill you! Right, I'm powering up. Come on! Come on! Come on. Kill you. Going to kill you. Shut the hatch! Yeah, the thought had crossed my mind! <sighs> yeah. Must you always leave things so close? Bypassing towards 
station, now what? We're about midway between Pluto and Neptune. I'll put out a distress call. It should be picked up by someone. Hopefully within 96 hours. According to these readings, that's exactly how much life support this pod has left. Ah, oh, we have another problem. That's a targeting alert. Someone's targeting us. The pirates. Well, that seems like a reasonable guess, yes. Ah, might just be able to get us out of range. Ah, oh, too late. They've opened fire. Brace yourselves. Is everyone all right? I appear to have sustained minor damage, but nothing that can't be repaired. No? Clearly not all right, then. Life support. Oh, that's discouraging. Mayday. Mayday. This is Mark 7 of the Space Security Service. I'm on a life pod, ejected from the transit station Elysium, traveling with my fellow agent Anya Kingdom and one civilian. They are injured and unconscious. Life support has been compromised, and we have no more than three hours of air remaining. Please send help to the coordinates embedded in this message. I shall now enter standby mode to preserve power. Ah, a recovery casket. That's a relief. Oh, for a minute there, I thought I was dead. Right, not a hospital. Too fancy. Anya! Anya! Mark! Anyone? No one? Right. First things first. Oh, well, certainly a room with a view. Hello, company. Yes, recovered. I'm fine. Examine. No examining, thanks. You can put your pincers away. All right, Archie, that'll do. Hello there. I do apologize if Archie alarmed you. Might be a touch on the large side, but he's quite harmless. Yeah, well, you say that, but the last mechanoid I met... Hang on, so did you just call him Archie? His designation is RG183. RG. Archie. You see? Little joke of mine. You can call me Merrick, though. That's my actual name. Right. Well, nice to meet you, Merrick. I'm the doctor. Doctor? Just the doctor. Which is a name now, is it? You'd be surprised how few people comment on it. I see. Well, as you wish. Now, there were two others with me. Anya Don't and... worry. They're here. The android sustained some damage, but was in pretty good condition. And Anya, well, she's made a full recovery. I was on my way to see her when Archie told me your casket was about to ping. I'd like to see them, my friends. Oh, of course. How thoughtless of me. I'll take you to Anya now. Follow me. Archie, you too. Follow me. Last thing I remember, I was in an escape pod. Escaping. Yes, unfortunately, it got rather damaged. Right. I presume in the explosion. You were lucky the rescue team heard your distress message. Explosion? No, we were shot at. There was no explosion. And I'm afraid to say there was. The transit station detonated. No one's quite sure of the cause. Oh. 
pirates must have activated the self-destruct before they left. Pirates? Space pirates, I think. We met a few. Gosh, that sounds awfully frightening. Well, well, it's under investigation. Don't worry, I'm sure the miscreants responsible will be brought to justice. I'm happy to help out, answer any questions. I'm very good at interviews. I'm delighted to hear it. And I'm sure the SSS will be too. In the meantime, I hope you'll remain here as my guests. Yes, we're on Neptune, aren't we? Have you figured that out? I'm impressed. Oh, the star field's unmistakable, but the surface, less so. A lot prettier than I remember. Last time I looked, Neptune was a ball of molten ice. You've been terraforming. For almost three decades now. Wow. Oh, you've done a good job. Very kind of you to say. It's not quite finished, but we're almost there. A few cosmetic touches to add some élan. Why, I say we. I'm not actually a terraformer, not personally. I just enjoy the fruits of their labours. I decamped to Neptune three years ago, you see. This villa is my retirement home. Well, very nice it is too. Must keep you occupied. Mm, not as much as you'd expect. Not with Archie here. He usually tends to the villa, maintains the household and the gardens. Uh, but he can turn his pincers to health monitoring when the occasion calls for it, as you and Anya have just found out. Haven't you, old boy? Six hundred zero medicate. <laughs> exactly. Bit of a journey, though. It must have been somewhere with medical facilities closer than Neptune. I'm sure there is, but when I heard about the distress message, I insisted. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining. It just seems an odd choice. I heard it was Anya. Oh, you know her? Of course I do. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I'm being obtuse. I'm Merrick Kingdom, Anya's grandfather. No. Well, there's a thing. Ha! It's a small galaxy, ish. It'll be good to see her, to say the least. It's been years. Well, I'm sure she feels the same. She'll be thrilled. I hoped I'd never set eyes on you again. Oh, Anya, darling, please. <gasps> Don't you darling me. It's not quite the joyous family reunion I was expecting. I'd hoped, with all the time that's passed, you might... Hoped what? That I'd forgive you? That I'd forget what you did? I can see there are issues here. Issues? This man killed my mother! That's not true. Maybe not directly, but you might as well have put a blaster to her head and pulled the trigger. I tried to save her! You didn't try hard enough. She was my mother. And she was my daughter, Anya. I would have done anything I could to save her, but I couldn't. Grandmother blamed you, too. Well, your grandmother would blame me for starting the Third Galactic War if she thought anybody would believe her. Do you want me to step outside? No. I want us to leave the planet. Can we get out of here? Where's Mark? I'll check on the state of your android. I said Mark. His name is Mark. Then I'll check on Mark. Archie? Responding. Access diagnostics. Update on the android's repair cycle. Accessing. I'm sorry, Doctor. Like you said, there are issues. Well, to say the least. I just can't believe I'm here of all places with him. Repair sequence. One hundred. Final. Right. The Andrew... Mark's repair cycle is complete. I'll send Archie to bring him here. I'll go with him. Eighteen. Five. Follow. Cracking butler you've got there. 
How does a mechanoid even come to be on Neptune, if I can call him a mechanoid anymore? Oh, there are thousands of them, part of the terraforming effort. Oh, yes, of course, they're world clearers, preparing planets for colonization, yes. Easy to forget that. I've used mechanoid assistants in the past. They're more reliable than people. Right, yes. I, uh, I hope my exchanges with Anya didn't make you feel uncomfortable. Well, maybe a smidge. Oh, perhaps she'll come round. Do you think so? Because from where I'm standing, she couldn't wait to get out of the room. Anya, apologies for the disarray. Oh, what are they doing keeping you here? Well, what is here anyway? A vehicle workshop, I believe, judging by the ground skimmer. Oh, they can't treat you as a machine. Anya, I am a machine. Oh, first he didn't even bother with your name, now he dumps you in his garage. I think garage is the wrong term. Regardless, the most important thing is I'm fully functional again. Get you out of here before I start smashing things. Lena, my daughter, Anya's mother, died on Sephiroth when Anya was young. It was an outer world that came under Dalek attack. It was obliterated. I'm sorry to hear that. I was too. You see, I was serving on the senior council of the Space Security Service at the time. Ah, well, the SSS really does run in the Kingdom family. For generations. I was head of the science division, which earned me my seat. And I was present at the meeting where we learned there was intelligence warning of the Dalek attack. Let me guess. You didn't stop it. A Dalek planet killer squadron is difficult to stop. But it was a relatively small colony world. We might have been able to evacuate the population. Might is an interesting word there. The source of the intelligence was highly sensitive. If we'd acted on it... It would have exposed the source to the Daleks and we'd have received no more information. But you would have saved everyone on the planet. And I argued strongly that we should, but I was the only dissenting voice. I couldn't persuade the others to act. A day later, the Daleks attacked. And you sat there in your ivory tower while my mother died. Anya. You see, Dr. Wei, I can't stand to be in this man's presence. You never said. No, I didn't. Hello, Doctor. Ah, Mark. In one piece. Glad to see it. Huh. You wouldn't have been so pleased a few minutes ago. They had him laid out on a workbench in a garage like some machine. He is a machine. He's a sentient android with protected rights. Oh, you need to drag yourself into the 41st century. Now we're all together again. We should leave. No, you can't leave. <gasps> can't? Watch me. Excuse me. I mean, I was hoping you'd stay. Recover from your ordeal. We've recovered fine. We're going to Jupiter. What's on Jupiter? Doctor? Oh, a friend of Anya's there may be able to help us with something. What something? Why the reticence? For goodness sake, I'm not asking for background, but if it's an SSS matter, I could help. Possibly. 
I might be retired, but I still have my experience and knowledge. Guess there he goes, playing the old soldier, when he spent most of his time in the Dalek War playing with test tubes. Yeah, the science division, that's who we wanted to see. I had my share of action. I was on the first assault mission to land on Skaro itself. <laughs> exactly. While everyone else was in firefights, you were collecting specimens. I was expanding our knowledge of the Dalek world. Know thine enemy. So if you've quite finished with the attack on my character... Anya, if Merrick was part of the science division, he might be exactly what we need. Oh, so all that matters is what you want. Uh, that, that's not it. You know that's not it. Fine. Find out what you can. I've had enough of this. Anya! I'm going out for some fresh air. Should I follow her? No, I'd give her a minute. I can't say anything without her losing her head. Oh, I'm sorry. Again, but please, let me help you if I can. It's the least I can do. Well, we're looking for someone, a scientist. Called? We don't know that, but his area was, well, or is, time travel. Um, Sheldrake? Yeah, that didn't work out. No, the man we're looking for had something to do with the old SSS witness relocation program. Oh, yes, I was vaguely aware of that. Experimental, almost reckless. I heard Anya was a volunteer. It's how we met. <laughs> Typical of her to go where there was the most risk, the most danger. Just like Sarah and Brett, a chip off the old block. Sarah and Brett? Oh, sorry, her aunt and uncle. Sarah was my other daughter. Brett was my wife's son by her second marriage. They were both in the SSS, both died in the line of duty, so far as I can tell. It's all rather hush-hush. Right. Well, whatever happened, I'm sure they were a credit to the House of Kingdom. The scientists we're looking for left Earth, but the precise details appear to have been concealed. We're trying to establish where he is now. Oh, I believe the person you're looking for was called, um... Oh, what was it? Arborek. Yes. I'm almost certain that was his name. Arborek. Well, that's new. I never met him, but I know of him. A true genius. I have a feeling he was doing something in, um, where was it, the, the Kruger system. Kruger? That's not far. Yes. About 13 light years. Well, then it sounds like we've got a good place to start. We'll need transport. Oh, one moment. I beg your pardon. That's a perimeter alarm. The workshop. Anya's taken my ground skimmer. Don't worry, I'm sure she'll be back. It's not that. They're terraforming out there. That's incredibly dangerous, particularly if you don't know the terrain. That skimmer, can you track it? Yes, it's got a tracer installed. We can follow in my hover yacht. Well, then what are we waiting for? Let's go. We've a lock on Anya. Three clicks to the northwest. Interesting view. There must be several hundred mechanoids working down there. Yes. Oh, they're getting through those buildings pretty quickly. The earliest colonial habitats. You see what I mean about how dangerous it can be? They're coded to level everything in that area. They wouldn't make a distinction for a human in a skimmer. Oh, on your appears to have stopped. Not too far ahead. There, on top of that escarpment. Allow me. My sight is augmented. Yes, it's her. She's sitting on the edge overlooking the valley. Can you put us down nearby? I'll speak to her. Of course.
Hello, Anya. Pull up a rock. We were worried about you. Glad someone was. Merrick was too. Oh, I'm sure. I might have damaged his precious skimmer. Hmm. It's possible you're not being entirely fair on him. Uh, was he fair on my mother? You can't blame him for what the Daleks did. He had an impossible choice. I know what that's like. Did you kill your own daughter too? Not my daughter, no, but I made sacrifices to stop them. To finish them. Bigger than you can imagine. Like what? I can't really say. Not here, not now. Oh, well, that's convenient. No, not really, no. But I can say that I had to make a choice. Really big choice. The lives of millions, billions, against something that I held very, very dear. And what did you pick? Well, what do you think? Turns out I never really had a choice at all. All I'm saying is you can't forget who the bad guys are. They're the ones to get angry at. Ask yourself who really killed your mother. Who really killed Brett and Sarah? Brett and Sarah? What about them? Merrick mentioned them, I thought. My aunt and uncle? Yes. I idolised them. They're the reason I wanted to join the SSS. Really? Well, there you go. It's good. I've got the faintest memory from when I was a kid. Oh, so glamorous. Heroic. I hear all the stories, but no one seems to know how they died. So... What do you mean? Oh, I don't mean anything. I, I, sorry. Look, I just think maybe you should give your granddad a break. Hmm? And I don't mean one of his limbs. <laughs> oh, maybe. There you go, Anya. If you really want to wait here while he searches for our guy... Oh, no, no. We've got him already. What? So we can go whenever? Yes. But... But what? I think life has given you an opportunity here. Hmm? You should take it. Doctor, I've just had a call. A visitor's arrived at the villa. Dr. Crane from the SSS station on the Triton Moon. He's the one who picked up your distress call and arranged your rescue. Oh, well, then we should say thank you. Come on, Anya. Abigail, good to see you. And you, Merrick. This is Dr. Abigail Crane. She commands the SSS station on Triton. Ah, I gather we've you to thank for saving our lives. I'm just glad we were there for you. I also have my thanks. I am Mark Seven. He's the android. Hmm, I almost couldn't tell. I'm the doctor and this is Anya. Anya! I can see the family resemblance. How lovely to meet you at last. I was at the training academy with your Aunt Sarah, a dear friend and colleague. Such a tragic loss. That's kind of you to say. But what a dreadful experience you've been through. Quite awful. The lead investigator wants to interview you, but asks for your forbearance. It may be a day or two before he's in a position to speak to you. <sighs> two days? We've got to stay here for two days? I would have thought he'd be a lot more eager than that. I'm sorry. I'm a scientist, not an investigator. I'm not entirely au fait with their methods. Now, it would be lovely to talk to you some more, but first, I wonder if Merrick and I might be allowed some time alone. 
There are confidential matters relating to the terraforming project that we have to discuss. Right, of course. It'll be night soon. Uh, if you go up to the roof terrace, you'll get the most wonderful view of the sunset. Well, that sounds pretty good. Does it? Just run with it. Come on, you two! It would have been much simpler if they'd died in the life pod. So, what do we think about Abigail Crane? She's lying. Absolutely. An investigator taking two days to speak to their only witnesses to a mass murder. That's nonsense. The bigger clues are increasing heart rate. Don't be a show-off. Yeah, which begs the question, why? What's she hiding? And also, where's that Archie got to? We've not seen him since we got back. Are you seriously suggesting I should have left my granddaughter to die? From what I recall, you don't exactly get on. Abigail, be realistic. They're a security risk. It's a bit late to worry about one of those, isn't it? If you hadn't lost those blasted things in the but first place... But I did. Place... And we have to deal with the consequences. It's being dealt with as an accident, and my people are running the inquiry. They'll conclude that the destruct mechanism was faulty. It was an old station. Well, I suppose that's plausible enough. Accidents will happen. But it only works if no one hears the story those three have got to tell. We have to decide how to deal with them before they realize no investigators coming to speak to them. Can't we just tell them the truth? I mean, we do want the pirates caught. And risk having the whole thing put on ice? I'm afraid not. But I'm sure we could persuade Anya to agree. In time. Maybe even her friends, too. I thought you always said she was too much like her mother. Stubborn. Righteous. Well, regardless, I just bought you two days. After that, we discuss options. I won't allow any harm to come to Anya. Of course not. She could stay here, under lock and key if needs be. Imprisoning my own granddaughter? It needn't be forever. We're so close. <sighs> I suppose. And the mechanoids are certainly capable of keeping someone locked up. Look on the bright side. We know that it works now. Even better than we'd hoped. Yes. I'll need a final sample. For safety. I'll get Archie to fetch one. I mean, it is pretty, but it's not exactly a sunset, is it? Watching one of those giant mirrors disappear beneath the horizon? Um, a mirror set? I don't know. I'd probably dock it a mark on TripAdvisor. Neptune is too far out for the sun to provide warmth and light. That is the purpose of these orbital mirrors. We're aware of what they do, Mark. Thank you. Don't tell anyone, but one day, there'll be artificial suns out here. Artificial suns? Mmm. Pluto will have six. But, you know, that's straight between us. Oh, look! There he is! Who? Look, look! Archie, down there! That's funny. Where did he come from and what's he carrying? Mark, take a look. Let's give that augmented vision a spin. Adjusting. Yes. A vial of fluid. Green fluid. Uh, a sample of something? A sample. Or a specimen. A specimen? Something the matter? Well, your grandfather mentioned he was part of that mission to Scarrow. You said he collected specimens. Oh, that's right. Not blood, though. Were they botanical specimens, by any chance? I expect so. He wasn't a specialist, but botany was one of his areas. Why? Well, might be nothing, might be everything. We need to find where Archie came from. Then let's go. No, Anya, 
just to be on the safe side, there's something I need you to do. Sample provided. Thank you, Archie. I'll take it back to Triton for our records. As long as you're careful with it this time. Hello. What have you got there? Oh, nothing. Weren't you taught to knock before entering? I thought you'd have finished by now. We have. Please. Look, if I'm going to be here for at least two days, I've been thinking, maybe I should make the effort. Maybe we both should. See if we can get along. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I would like that. I'd like that very much. I'm not promising anything. Understood. But let's talk and see how we go. That's a very sudden change of heart. I'll leave if you prefer. No, no, Abigail didn't mean anything by that. Stay. Take a seat. Sure. I'll tell you what. Um, would you like some Jovian tea? Uh, that would be nice. Merrick, I didn't think we'd quite concluded our business. Later. I'll fetch the tea from the storage larder. I won't be long. Uh, no, if you don't have it on hand. I'll be five minutes. Well, this is cosy. Hmm, isn't it? Right, so Archie appeared about here. Exactly this spot. He came from that direction. Yeah. Hmm, a blank wall. Well, at least that's what it looks like. Let's see. Ah. Oh, yes. My favorite type of lift. A secret lift. Why is that? Well, because they take you to secret places. In we get. Going down. Oh, now, you know what's even better than a secret lift? A secret underground lab. It's very warm in I can guess the reason for that, and I'm going to follow that up with guess number two. The reason is behind that wall of glass. Yeah, there must be a light around here somewhere. Ah, yes, here we are. Oh, that's a shame. But right. Fuck. Scar. The only place they're found. Well, till now. And I think we know who found them. Sir, these are the specimens Merrick Kingdom brought back with them. You knew they'd be here. Yeah, I thought it was a possibility. Varga plant venom causes madness at first and a homicidal urge to kill anyone you see. Sure. Sound familiar? It certainly does. You didn't just send Anya out as a distraction, did you? You didn't want her to see. Just when there was a chance that they might be able to get along. Well, here's Merrick's computer log. He's been experimenting with Vargavenom for some time. Oh, that is disappointing. Here's something else familiar. This is the type of handgun those pirates were carrying. There's a reservoir of dark fluid in the firing chamber. Vargavenom. It's got to be. Each shot, each energy round would be infused with venom. It's nasty. People who are infected with Vargavenom turn into Varga themselves, don't they? We didn't see that on the station. Well, the transformation isn't immediate. Um, then again, the venom might have been modified. We should leave before we're discovered. Too late. Ah, 
Could you please put the gun down? Shall we rejoin Anya? What were you discussing with my grandfather that was so secret? Not secret. Confidential. And as I said, it was related to the terraforming project. But he's retired. He's not SSS anymore. You know what they say. Once in the security service, always in the security service. Hello, Anya. Doctor. Mark. Oh. I saw the lift had been used. I found them in the lab with the Varga plants. No. Oh. That's unfortunate. To put it mildly. Wait. You have Varga plants here? Oh, yes. Turns out your grandfather's quite the green-fingered fan of homicidal horticulture. It's not exactly that simple, Doctor. Well, then maybe you should try explaining it to me. The initial idea was to look for an anti-venom, some means of dealing with those plants if the Daleks deployed them. Right, with you so far. When that proved impossible, we wondered if there was some way of turning it back on them. So you started developing guns, hmm? But the ones I saw, they'd never get through a Dalek's outer casing. Uh, yes, we're working on it. It's early days yet. But we thought maybe we could use them on their servants, uh, Ogrons, Robomen. Oh, you'd infect them? Oh, that's horrific. Varga use their venom to propagate, which is a natural cycle, but to use it as a weapon to deliberately alter a person's brain chemistry. It's no worse than what the Daleks have done to us. Like when they seeded Vexor 5 with a new plague formula? For no other reason than to observe the results. When I lost my brother. Yeah, or when they destroyed Seraphus. Oh, don't try and justify your actions with my mother. She wouldn't have wanted this. Maybe not. But I'm afraid I do. Badly enough to kill those workers on the transit station. That was an accident. Those pirates stole a test shipment. We couldn't have known that was going to happen. Oh, couldn't you? Really? I'm not so sure. What do you mean? We couldn't figure out why they were there. What's to take? That place was mainly filled with manual workers. Why not attack a luxury liner? You'd have richer pickings. It was a proof of concept. A trial run. A showroom. No. They were expendable. Epsilon grades, ten a penny. It's not true. Isn't it? What do you say, Abigail? You've gone a bit quiet. It can't have been many. A dozen or so. They lose twice that many in the Terranium mines on Uranus. Even Epsilon grades have families. Who believe they died in a tragic accident caused by technical failure. It's true? The pirates were my people, yes. But why? Because the project was cancelled. The powers that be felt they'd got a better prospect elsewhere. All this time, this expense, I had to make it back somehow. If it meant selling to the highest bidder, I was willing You're a decorated member of the SSS. So, I don't owe them anything. On Vexor 5, the ruling council and the SSS leadership locked themselves into a government survival shelter while my brother and the rest of the planet suffered an awful, lingering death. I'm just treating them with the same loyalty. You can't possibly use that to justify murder. I lost my daughter, but I'd never do that. Then you're a better person than I am, aren't you, Merrick? It would have worked if we hadn't survived. You very nearly didn't. I'd allowed for the possibility of the odd life pod. If I hadn't heard the name Kingdom, I mean I had to keep you on side, Merrick. I know you. If you'd heard Anya was killed in the attack, 
You'd have revealed the whole thing. So you had us brought here, nicely out of the way, while you figured out what we knew and what to do with us. Which I now have. Merrick, I still need you to synthesize the venom. Hurt my granddaughter and I'll never help you. I know. But we can still have the mechanoids imprison her. And you're hardly going to shoot your mouth off, are you? They'll lock you up for the rest of your life. And it won't be as pleasant a retirement as this place. I understand. But these others? <laughs> I think we need a trip on your hover yacht. Where are we going? Not far now. Keep your hands where I can see them. I'm prepared to use this. Here? Or at our destination? I assume you mean to kill us. Can you kill an android? It's more like shutting you down, isn't it? It's not exactly the most convincing threat, is it? Let me kill you or I'll kill you. Maybe I have a better solution. But if you want to die right away... No, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine, thanks. It's not your first time bumping off people who are inconvenient, though, is it? Hmm? People like the controller on the transit station. You think she was part of it? Oh, definitely. That gap in shuttle flights, that was a bit too convenient. I'm sure she made it so that your team of killers could get on and off unobserved. She was a little too ready to stand by and do nothing. Hmm. And for all her talk of locking herself in... Pirates still got to her, almost as if she didn't lock herself in. The crew was paid off. The plan was for them to get away in a life pod, but they got greedy, demanded more money, made threats. It was their own fault. I'm not responsible. Oh, yeah. People like you always think that. We're arriving. I'll take the ship down. It's the old pioneer settlement. The one the mechanoids are demolishing. Grandfather, you can't go along with this. I have no choice. I'm in too deep. This is the middle of a clearance zone. There are mechanoid demolition teams all around. They've been coded to totally destroy everything in the area. They'll see you as just another part of the landscape. Death by mechanoid. Well, I suppose that saves you getting actual blood on your hands. You can't do this, Grandfather. I'm sorry, Anya. There's nothing I can do. Be thankful I'm not leaving you here, too. All right, Merrick, let's go. Let's go. Of course. No! Right. Tricky. Huh. Uh, Mark, what have we got? From our view above, I'd say we're approximately 30 kilometers into the settlement. There are mechanoids in every sector. Even if we do get out of here, we're over 100 kilometers from the nearest habitation, which is Merrick Kingdom's villa. Where I can't imagine we'll get the warmest of receptions. I imagine not. Like I said, Tricky. What do we do? Any ideas? Zero. Zero. Sector five. Objective destroyed. We can think of something as we run. Come on! Go back! You have to go back and get them! That's not gonna happen. Look, I know this is tough, but we don't have a choice. You can stay with me at the villa. We'll work this out. The only thing I have to work out is how a callous, selfish monster like you could be my grandfather. I love you, Anya. Never doubt it. Please, just do as she says. I'm 
never gonna let her get away with this. Preferable. You know, for a standard servo robot, the mechanoids don't half turn vicious. This is true of my experience as well. They're getting closer. They're hemming us in. We need a way out. And soon. Anya! What are you doing? Really love me. Get us down. Well, we've still got a chance. Whilst they've got a chance. I. Yes, all right. I'm not sure how much control I have, but I'll do my best. All right. Thank you. Don't thank me yet. I think we're coming down in the clearance zone. Among all those mechanoids. Brace yourselves! Doctor! Look! The hover yacht! It's crashing! Oh, I think there must have been Anya in the works. At least it looks like they landed in one piece. Let's get over there and help. Oh! Hey, you singed my coat! More of them! A lot more! Sector 80. Destruction sequence. So, if you prefer that to be all they singe... Inside, quick! Sector 80. Habitat 4. Destruction sequence. We were right to start climbing. If we remained at ground level, we'd been charred to a cinder. As plans go, it's pretty short term. Those mechanoids are going to turn this building into a pile of dust, probably from the ground up. Meaning we'll be heading down again quite quickly. So, what do we do? Well, keep climbing till we think of something better. Come on! Fool! Look at those controls! Oh, there's no chance we'll get airborne again. Uh, maybe that's for the best. Those things out there? How are the comms? Triton Moon? Triton Moon, this is Dr. Crane. Are you receiving me? We need you, Dr. Crane. Go ahead. Well, thank goodness. I need an SSS rescue team launched immediately to these coordinates. I crashed in one of the terraforming zones. Immediate extraction for two survivors required. The sooner the better. Crane out. Two survivors? There are three of us. She could have killed us all. She wouldn't have minded. I can't control who's on that rescue team. And we can't have her shooting her mouth off when they arrive. She'll never give in. She'll always be a threat. She's my granddaughter. I'll make it quick. <laughs> so, you are prepared to get blood on your hands after all? Put the gun down, Abigail. I can't do that. Then you leave me no choice. A Vargo gun? 
I stowed one away, just in case. Merrick, you have to let her go. If she goes free, then we go to jail. Then that's what's going to happen. I stood by before when someone I loved was killed. Other days gone by when I haven't regretted that. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. We can't stay here! The mechanoids will raise it to the ground in minutes! Well, we're only two stories up. We could drop into that alleyway. That fact there's a mechanoid in it, which would be suicide! Yes, that's one word for it. Unless I was to go first, draw the mechanoid away, and then you were to drop down and escape. No. What? Oh, no, 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 no. There really is no time to argue. Goodbye! No, Mark! Wait, wait, wait! I've got an idea! Nice try, Doctor! Bye! Mark! Could I persuade you not to treat me like an obstacle to be atomized? Destruction sequence resume. Apparently not. Oh! Well, it will be interesting to see what happens next. Sector 80. Full destruction. Allons-y! Sorry, ah, don't mind if I piggyback to you. Sector 80. Obstruction. Analyzing. Analyzing. Tell you what, analyze this. Coding. That's right, new coding. Let's just calm down, shall we? Received. You all right? I'm unharmed. Told you I had an idea. We just needed to distract him. Thanks for that. You shut it down? Oh, better than that. Much better. Don't be stupid, Merrick. I won't tell you again. Drop the gun. I'll shoot, then kick you outside while the Varga Venom does its work. Very well. Now what? Think. Do you really want to finish up in a punishment center? Because that's where you'll end up if the SSS discover what's happened. I've made my choice. Who's that? Mechanoids. They're surrounding the ship. We're just another piece of the settlement. There to be demolished. Ah! Give me that! Give me the fork of gun! What happened? Are you. I'm shot. I'm infected. You fool. Why did you fight me? I can feel it already. I've become my own experiment. Mechanoids are cutting through the hull. We have to get out. You won't go anywhere. Anya, go. Get away. No. There's got to be some way. Get out. Merrick. Merrick, let go. You must die. I'm going, okay? I'm. Go! Oh. Huh? Oh no! This is it! Anya, kingdom, come. What? Did it just call me by my name? Anya, kingdom, it's 
right. Oh, you wonderful, unpredictable man. Yeah, go before too late. Anya, King, come. I'm coming. Please. The other ones are still attacking the ship. We have to go. Must kill. Must kill. Please. I'm so sorry, Anya. Anya, are you all right? Oh, I'm fine, thanks to you. That was a real nick of time, Jobhan. Oh, oh, I'm so glad to see you. We're making a habit of this, aren't we? That's Abigail Craig. That did not sound healthy. My grandfather was infected with Varga venom. He was changing, becoming homicidal. It was him of the mechanoid attack that killed her. We'll never know. Well, we'll know who killed us if we don't get out of here. Now, don't worry, I'm using this one as protection and I can probably turn some of the others. Although, that looks like a simpler solution. That's an SSS rescue shuttle. Crane pulled it in after we crashed. It's landing in the next street. And let's get over there. You too, mechanoid. Come up. Let's get out of here. Are we going to abandon them? They have weapons to defend themselves and radios to call in another shuttle. They'll be fine. Sixteen. Five. Awaiting instructions. Oh, I've got instructions for you, all right. We're going to make a stop before we leave Neptune. Archie, this is Ella. Ella, meet Archie. Seven. Zero. Ella. You named it Ella. Named her. Designation LA282. LA equals Ella, sort of. Near enough. Far be it from me to criticize anyone for anthropomorphizing a robot. Well, if it's good enough for Merrick, it's good enough for me. Archie, Ella, new coding for you. Ready? Ready, ready. In due course, some other humans are going to come here asking a lot of questions. When they do, I want you to tell them that what happened on the Elysium to those innocent men and women was no accident. Understood. Well done, Archie. And in the meantime, go to the laboratory and destroy every trace of Merrick Kingdom's research. Melt every computer terminal you can find, destroy the Varga guns, then seal the lift shaft. Cave it in. Coding accepted. Thank you, Ella. And can I just say, you two have the makings of a wonderful team. I hope you'll be very happy together. Happy. Zero. Zero. Input. I think Ella means she doesn't understand, Happy. Mm, I feel you, sister. Right, let's get out of here. We've got a shuttle, we've got a scientist to find, and now we have his name. Arborek. The Kruger system is a big place to look for him. Yes, but be fair, two days ago we'd narrowed it down to the entire galaxy. Eight. Zero. Solitude. One. One. Satisfaction. Ah, there you are. They've got cryptopods on board, did you know? 
That'll cut down the waiting. I can do with a shorter journey. What, shorter than 13 light years? I get bored very easily. Anya, he did the right thing in the end. Yeah, I'm not suddenly going to be on his side, you know, because of that. No, I know. He still did what he did to my mum. We've all done things we're not proud of. Including you? I struggle to believe that. Oh, you'd be surprised. Just try and remember. He had reasons for doing the things that he did. When you look back. I'll try. In time. Let's see how Mark's doing. And your aunt and uncle. Brett and Sarah. Yeah. What about them? They'd be so proud of you, you know. Oh. I hope so. Ah, there you are. Have you got the coordinates programmed yet? Not yet. I had an idea. Oh? This shuttle has access to the SSS database. If Arborek is in the Kruger system, he's presumably at a scientific establishment. Hmm, seems a reasonable guess. I'm searching to see if there are any. If the search draws are blank, I'll look for space security stations. Beyond that, I'm out of ideas. Yeah, he's like a needle in a haystack. I never understood that expression. The people often store their sewing equipment in farming structures. Surely they're the last place you would consider looking. Human idioms are so... Mark? You're right. Mark? Speak to us. What's wrong? Alak. Alak. Mark, what are you doing? I am removing oxygen from the cabin. Please do not be no, distressed. No, 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 have been listening to Doctor Who, The Tenth Doctor Adventures, Dalek Universe, The House of Kingdom, 
written by Andrew Smith. The Doctor was played by David Tennant. Anya Kingdom, Jane Slavin. Mark Seven, Joe Sims. Merrick Kingdom, Kevin McNally. Dr. Abigail Crane, Maria Teresa Creasy. Mechanoids, Nicholas Briggs. Other roles played by members of the cast. Director, Ken Bentley. Producer, David Richardson. Sound design and music, Howard Carter. Script editor, John Dorney. And the executive producers, Nicholas Briggs and Jason Haig Ellery. I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of Dalek Universe. We're on your side. Well, you say that, but last time I met you, you were trying to kill me. The creation of Dalek Universe kind of stretches back at least two or three years. When we were even working on the Anne Kelso stories for The Fourth Doctor, we knew where we were taking the character to in the Anya Kingdom reveal, and we knew where we were going to go afterwards in that we knew we were going to bring her back in the Dalek Protocol with the Fourth Doctor. And we also knew there was an, another chapter of her life with a Doctor beyond the Fourth Doctor after that. But that's as far as we'd planned. I mean, it was just the kernel of an idea that was was there floating for us to pick up when the time came along. And when David became available um, during the lockdown of 2020, this was one of those ideas that was just sitting there in my head and um, it just excited me, <laughs> really. And that, that's always my way of, of doing things, is just to go with things that excite me. My name is David Tennant. I play the Doctor. At one scene 883. At one scene 883. It's Anya? Yes, yes, Anya! Kingdom! Anya Kingdom, what are you doing here? More to the point, what am I doing here? More to the point, where am I? More to the point... Who are you? Very happy to be born. Yeah. Happy to be born. Oh, okay. Well, it's a big old epic sweep, the whole thing. It's like a sort of... It reminds me a little bit of those old Buck Rogers Flash Gordon series that uh, used to be on the uh, on the TV during the school holidays when I was a kid that, that ran for sort of 15 episodes and went all over the universe and uh, there was all different worlds got visited and because each story has its own sort of self-contained world then the whole thing has a kind of overarching momentum which I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed how how varied it is all within this one story and the variety of worlds that we go to and and uh, environments that we're in we love Terry Nation I mean he's had a huge input into Doctor Who. I mean, Doctor Who just would not be the same to this day without him. I mean, whether even Doctor Who would be here at all still after all these years without the Daleks, who knows? But I wanted to do something that was a, a bit of a love letter to Terry Nation, actually, and just take all these disparate elements that have been within the same world, kind of on screen, I mean, vaguely interlinked, but put them absolutely within the same universe. So, you know, although it's called Dalek Universe, um, people will have heard the, the first box set now and that the Daleks barely appear in the first box set. It's, you know, it's mainly other elements from the Terry Nation world and beyond. Hi, I'm John Dorney and I wrote Buying Time and The Wrong Woman, as well as script editing uh, a good chunk of Dalek Universe for the 10th Doctor Adventures. 
in the initial stages when I was working out the overall arc of the the whole of the nine story storyline I was focusing quite a bit on looking at areas and things within the nation oeuvre that um, excited me and interested me uh, I think Matt was very keen to go with Davros uh, which is which which I'm always perfectly happy to run with because uh, Davros is great Terry Malloy is great I also thought the Mavellans would be fun to look at at some point and then everybody else would just go well let's just pick and choose and see what we like and see what leaps out at us as being fun and um I think everyone embraced that to quite a wonderful degree. My name's Jane Slavin and I play Anya Kingdom. Uh, This is at one scene six take two. At one scene six take two. At one scene six take two. Oh, come on, hurry up, I... Anya, come on, you've got to hear me, you're my only hope. Oh, not again. What's going on? Oh, I don't have much time. You have to come back, Anya. You have to come back inside. Inside? Inside where? I love her tenacity. Nothing's too much for her. I love how unforgiving she is given the things she's done, the things she's responsible for. I love everything about her. I just love, I mean, I love these adventures. I love going to different planets every day, especially now doing something with David as the Doctor. I've worked with him before, just as a regular human being, but I've never worked with him as the Doctor, and that was so exciting, knowing how much people love him. And he's a brilliant actor. And Joe is one of my favourite human beings in the whole world, I think. I mean, he really is an exceptional human being and a brilliant actor, obviously. So, yeah, I was very excited. The whole project. Oh, sorry, didn't she mention that? Yes, she's sort of the dirty tricks department. An intelligence service within the intelligence service. She probably outranks you. Thanks for that. Well, sorry, but you do tend to keep things quiet. Even though he's infallible, he seems quite fallible. He has a great humility about him. Well, it's fascinating because there's a whole history with Anya that... I wasn't part of, of course. So I had to have a bit of a history lesson before we started in terms of what the Doctor's previous relationship with her was and the fact that she'd been this other character that he was clearly still rather mourning for and where that leaves him and Anya when they meet up at the start of this story, he's not entirely at ease with Anya and so that creates an interesting dynamic to play through. Anya, I'd obviously written before, and you know, pretty much co-created uh, with David Richardson for our Tom Baker run and the Syndicate Master Plan. Uh, we had brought her back in another story, and in that we'd introduced Mark Seven, who was a great foil to her. We've explored who she's not. We've explored the character of Anne Kelso in the Fourth Doctor range, and we only had limited time to really look at who Annie Kingdom was and. We, we left her final Fourth Doctor story on a bit of a sad note. I mean, Annie was just finding herself again, and basically the Doctor had rejected her. I know Anne never existed. I know she was a fictional construct of a technological despot. But she was real to me, and now she's gone. Zal killed her just as surely as if he put a gun to her head and pulled a trigger. You'd just be a reminder of that. I suppose so. For what it's worth, I really am sorry. Yes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs>
Goodbye, Anya Kingdom. If nothing else, you've done your family proud. But goodbye. There was this huge chasm in their relationship that we wanted to come back to and explore. And Dalek Universe has really given us the opportunity to do that. I mean, we we start off with the Tenth Doctor meeting Anya again, and he's still not happy with her. So we then have nine episodes of the journey with these characters, and it's a really lovely journey. I think she really likes him, and she really wants to make amends. And it seems almost impossible at the beginning because obviously you love Ankel so, so much. But I want to say, that's me as well, you see. Love me. Come on, Anya. You don't have to point a gun at me, not again. I mean, it's been a while, but I thought we ended up on the same side last time. Well, more or less, eventually. Although, obviously, I'm beginning to wonder about that now. What are you talking about? You know, we've got a long journey together, and the Doctor seems... He's prepared to give her a chance, but... There's not that much warmth there in the beginning. And she knows she's got to win him over. And the knowledge that she will was heartwarming. (laughs) And, you know, the scripts are great. I mean, Dawny knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And Andrew Smith's script today, you know, they're all super experts and they all do it with great love, don't they? So... Yeah, they're a joy to read. I think they, they become much closer as this story goes on and uh, they seem to forgive each other's pasts and each other's historic indiscretions and uh, they, they come to be uh, quite a team. So that's been interesting to explore. One of the fabulous things about the Doctors when they regenerate and you think, oh, I'll never love another Doctor once they've regenerated and then of course they all bring something new and fabulous and uniquely them to the part and David's no exception ah there you are doctor look I don't have much time are you from the future the past yeah it's complicated can't really say any more than that otherwise it might not happen what might not Yes, sorry to repeat myself, I can't say. There's an awful lot going on over here. With any luck, it'll all make sense eventually. Right. Look, I know this is annoying, and I know you don't trust me. Trust you? Of course I trust you. I'm worried you don't trust me. Well, what's been so nice as well is Jane has really um, embraced the fact that she's got the chance to, to revisit Anya and explore this and she there's there's some really beautiful scenes um throughout the course of these nine episodes that David and Jane play together and they they're just fantastic it's been it's been a really special thing to do and your remark were really good fun to write i've always loved writing for anya anyway uh get on very well with jane and try to write to play to her strengths mark was less familiar but joe sims is a lovely chap having uh, met him at the recording of the the previous mark seven story with him and i genuinely was surprised by how much fun i had writing him that uh, slightly super powered casual quality that i felt rather defined him uh as i say is the it is james bond but borderline invincible and superhuman uh, which gives him a hugely entertaining edge to play with my name is joe sims and i am lucky enough to be playing mark seven it's at 192 take two i was able to use the last vestiges of vortex energy to time snatch me and anya out of the basement i 
not sure what that means. It means I was very clever. You'll have to get used to that, I'm afraid. I see. I was so excited. Could I like when we were working on on Broadchurch together? David often talked about what an amazing time he had uh, doing Doctor Who, and like the thing that he cited and Arthur cited, uh, and everybody that ever worked on Doctor Who was just how incredible the fans were, and that was something that I was really keen to be part of. Obviously, you grow up with it; it's so kind of intrinsically woven into the fabric of British society, and I think probably society worldwide now. That is something you always want to be part of, and so uh, like you know the the, the idea. Of and brought into the big finish fold was always really exciting but the idea of being a butt-kicking android uh, like Mark 7 is just brilliant and I get to be a companion in, in, in this one uh, with the fabulous David Tennant. The character of Mark 7 was created back in the 60s actually by Terry Nation. Um, he'd appeared in the comic strips, he'd appeared in the Dalek annuals. He was actually going to be one of the main characters in the US Dalek spin-off that Terry Nation was going to make in the 60s. That never happened, although we did make it on audio at Big Finish. So uh, we knew we wanted to bring Mark 7 back, and he first appears in the Dalek Protocol in the fourth Doctor story, the, the little prequel that starts this whole range off. Um, and then we bring Mark in with the 10th Doctor and Anya together, um, and they become a bit of a, a bit of a Doctor Who family. This is a slightly different take on him. And uh, again, it felt like it was a rich and exciting character and a fun person to throw in with the Doctor. Um, you know, he's he's had an interesting history with robotic companions, with both, you know, canine and chameleon. So flinging in this android super spy just seemed too exciting an idea not to go with. The Doctor who did them over was completely different. An older guy, white hair, but it was the same man. They told me not to judge by appearances. I never do. I employ logic. His relationship with the Doctor and Anya is a fascinating one because initially you always think, right, the Doctor's going to come and he's going to take control. But in actual fact, I think that Mark sees objectively um, that his skill set transcends both Anya and the Doctor quite often, so uh, so decides to pull rank. It was much funnier than I expected him to be, for example. Not in terms of making actual jokes, but just in terms of how he interacts with the world around him. He's so dry. And uh, I, I think that was, was just a delightful thing to play with. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how it all turns out. One man spills his tea in 1066. He could obliterate causality, offering it up en masse without obvious regulation. Well, I, I, that is insanely irresponsible. And if there's someone who knows about insane irresponsibility, it's me. In terms of the overall story for the, the first two-disc story. It's weird how stories get developed when you're writing them. I'd largely developed the overall arc plan and so I'd basically got a head start on everybody else, which you know, felt like it was a great idea to start with and then suddenly everybody else was tearing away writing their storylines and I had virtually no ideas at all. Uh, in fact, actually, that's not entirely true. If anything, I had too many ideas. I knew the story had to be about, about time travel in some way. And so I just started darting around and finding all manner of different options. I think um, I, I, I lose track of how many different villains they were going to be at different times. I think at one point the villain was going to be a future version of Anya who was trying to get the Doctor and Anya to reconnect in the past, things like that. I think there was uh, potentially an older Doctor. An older version of the Doctor was going to be the, the villain. I think at one point I was going to be doing a sort of variation of a Sound of Thunder story 
but with the mechanoids. So people travelling back in time, adjusting the past and returning to the present and discovering the mechanoids are ruling everything and things like that. There was a version where it was just called Time Pirates with an exclamation mark. Yeah, so I basically flung, was flinging loads of ideas and I just couldn't figure out which one grabbed me the most. I think one of the early ideas I had was somebody travelling back in time to stop the Doctor in one of his earlier adventures and actually killing him and him actually regenerating into a new character. And I was quite keen on that for a while. But I was very aware that uh, to resolve that would probably need me to do the old um, travelling back in time and stopping that ever happening resolution, which I'm never actually a particularly big fan of. I, I always like the stories to have happened. I don't like to unwrite history. But that at least was sitting somewhere in the back of my head. I also really liked the idea of doing something about commercial time travel. That's been in the back of my head somewhere for ages. But finding a way of doing it w was a struggle. I think, for example, to say, as I, th I think for an idea like, say, Time Pirates, which was quite exciting in a bit of a time bandit sort of a way, it felt like it was breaking this, the Terry Nation world. I felt that I really wanted to stick in this one universe where it all feels a bit, a bit Space James Bond. I wanted it to... Take place in the same time, which, if you're doing a story about time travel, is a little bit awkward, but something that needed to have that right flavour to it. So, yeah, I was struggling to come up with the idea, and then I began to get to the right place when I started thinking a lot about the old Dalek stories, and I remembered the monk and the monk turning up in the Dalek master plan, which meant it, the monk and that Time Lord figure feels like it's part of the same world to me, anyway. And again, I still hadn't quite settled on what the exact story was, I th but I think even then I was like having the monk having sold time travel tech to time pirates, who he was then on the run from, and I th was always very early on at that stage I'd got the idea of, of the monk's TARDIS being a, a, a holy book of some description, or indeed she, as I'd already at that stage decided she was going to be, could climb inside as a big reveal. So... You can see all of that was filtering in, and you can see how all of those bits feed into the story that eventually turned up. See you on the other... Ah! The light! Anya! You must be... I know. I know. I think he's regenerating. Ah! Doctor, is that you? Well, I didn't expect that. To happen. The eventual moment it all clicked together, oddly enough, was when I remembered an idea I'd had, I think when I was about 10 or 12, where I'd just had this idea of, go, wouldn't it be great if you ended a season with the Doctor regenerating, and then at the beginning of the next season, he gets all the way through a story, and at the end of the story wanders into the TARDIS, and the real Doctor you're used to is tied up in a cell somewhere. And I'd always loved that idea, and I'd never thought I'd be able to use it, and it popped into my head... And I realised, oh, hold on, that's the perfect story. And, and quite quickly it gave me the entire structure of the story. I, I think that, um, that first two-part story has the most wonderful twists. Well, a series of wonderful twists. I mean, John, John always does brilliant twists. But to end that first episode on the Doctor regenerating was a really impressive moment, I thought. I think that will have people on the edge of their seats. And then... Eventually, I mean, the, the the newcomer, this character played wonderfully by Gemma Whelan, kind of becomes the focus at the start of that second episode. You know, she's really the new Doctor until the point where we find out she's not. And 
again, we'd, we'd known going into these stories we wanted to do the meddling nun because, you know, we love the meddling monk. He was a part of the, the Daleks' master plan. The, the character seemed a, a brilliant fit for this and bringing the monk back as the nun and played by somebody so inventive and spontaneous as Gemma was just too appealing not to do, really. This is Gemma Whelan and I play the newcomer. Mark? Mark, isn't it? Why, it's been ages. Good to see you, old chum. How's the wife? I'm not married. No? Oh, don't worry about that. Probably haven't met the right girl. And it it hasn't been ages, Doctor. It's been moments. Anya! This is turning into quite the reunion. She's initially very well-to-do, but possibly slippery. And my approach to playing her, well, I was told that she was quite jolly hockey sticks, so I just ran with that. So, yes, she's quite well-spoken and whatnot. And that was, it's just, it's enormous fun to play a character that's that's a bit large, of course. Monk I've always had a lot of fun with. Uh, And this is technically my second Monk I've written for, my second iteration. He and indeed she are just delightful to write for, really. And I, I wanted to make this one the nun. It's a slightly different angle to the monk I've written as played by Rufus Hound. He's a little bit more wheeler dealery, whereas I felt that um, the nun, I, I think I described it as being a bit jolly hockey sticks. It was huge fun to play the role of someone playing the doctor. You know, I, I got a sniff of what it might be like to be the doctor. I mean, obviously we weren't physically close, but to, to hourly, if that's correct, um, here. David Tennant and do scenes with him was, you know, I was skimming the Doctor, wasn't I? I loved that meddling nun story. Meddling monk, meddling nun. And uh, Gemma was great. Bonkers. She's a great actor. I've admired her in many, many things. So to get to work with her was was fantastic. Again, in these slightly weird circumstances where we only hear each other. But uh, but it still felt very vivid and very alive. I, I loved that whole storyline uh, with the, 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 the imposter Doctor that she creates. And... Uh, I think she was a, a, an inspired piece of casting for that. My thoughts on the script were that it was very, very good, very witty, very fu- full of lots of interesting references and bits that people will be very pleased with themselves that they they get. It's very nuanced and very funny, and it was just magic working with uh, David Tennant. They are a Doctor Who villain, but who isn't doing the usual Doctor Who villain things. They're very much their own character. And you get to have them just be naughty and cause trouble by accident, which felt like it was a great way of starting this. Also because it meant I could just accelerate things at the end insanely. It was a ball, actually. And what was what was really lovely about it was that David really responded to the character and to working with Gemma. He'd mentioned how absolutely thrilled he was to work with her. And those scenes together actually really sparkled. There was some lovely fire in those Doctor and meddling nun scenes. She was amazing. I would, If I wasn't playing Anya Kingdom, I, that's, the part, that's the part I'd like to play. She was fabulous. And, um, you know, it's so confusing. Again, she did it with great wild abandon. It was fabulous. If I put the Velocitor inside... But how do you do that? It's bigger. Oh, dearest Anya, I am about to blow your mind. 
a lot of the characterization of the, of the nun was led by the plot, really, because she had to come across as very doctorish initially. You have to believe, I think, for that first half hour that you are going to get a rewriting history story and uh, you are going to get a temporarily unwritten new doctor before the revelation that, um, no, that's not what you've got at all and it's all a massive switcheroo. But she was great fun because there was a degree to which it was a chance to write an opening story for a doctor, sort of, but at the same time almost slightly send that stuff up and have a bit of uh, that kind of variety. So, yeah, I was, I, was, I was quite excited and entertained for writing her. I've done several big Finnish recordings in the past. What I really love about them is, it's going to be a cliche, but everyone's so friendly and warm and what I found particularly recording at home, is very patient. People have been very patient with uh, technical glitches and things going wrong. You feel very supported and uh, looked after by them. And I really, yeah, I love working for Big Finish. It's always quite useful dealing in terms of a three-act structure with a midpoint, which works very well for a two-hour structure. It basically means that you have something big happen every 30 minutes or so. So about 30 minutes in, I had the vision attack. Halfway through, I had the regeneration. And three quarters of the way through I could have the reveal of what was actually going on so that was the moment where it all clicked and all came together for me the idea of writing the character known as the newcomer it's always been a a trope I've tended to veer towards actually writing a reveal that the person you think is the villain isn't the villain which is great fun to do and hopefully is always a bit of a surprise you think Sheldrake's a time lord Uh, no I told you, there aren't any Time Lords. Not other than me, not any more. You can trust me on that. So how did he get it? I don't know. It's incredibly powerful, but he didn't invent it. And there's no way he understands how to use that thing. No wonder he's caused trouble with causality. I studied it for a decade, and I got a C. In this, I was very determined that Sheldrake, who's named after an evil businessman in the film The Apartment, my favourite movie, very much appears to be the villain for the majority of the time. And with Mark playing him, we should be very much on board for that uh, but the reveal being actually technically that's not the villain and the villain is the newcomer or the meddling nun whatever you want to call her i'm mark gatis i play george sheldrake i think an arrest is in order for what for the attack on this building for murder not to mention crimes against history on what basis you've nothing on me no proof of anything i mean you're more than welcome to seize my files if you can dig them out from where my officers used to be. Sheldrake is a very familiar Doctor Who character, sort of uh, corrupt boss. I thought I'd do a bit like Sidney Greenstreet, though, to avoid any comparison. So slightly fatter voice, uh, oily voice. But he's he's in the long tradition of Tobias Vaughan's and um, mostly Kevin Stoney. Actually, I should have done it as Kevin Stoney. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> Those kind of villains, yes, that we all know and love. And very Terry Nation, I have to say. It's a very Terry Nation concept. The man who sold time, really. Possibly could have been called, couldn't it? The doctor abandoned me. Betrayed me. Is that what she's calling herself these days? What do you mean? I thought she was dead. I chucked her into that vortex. I don't understand. And you never will. Terry Nation's one of the defining writers of the original classic series of Doctor Who. And I think he's also massively underrated. He is a very distinct writer. And the thing I found most noticeable working on these was that 
All his stories feel like part of the same universe in a way that doesn't always happen with the classic series of Doctor Who. They've all got similar themes, similar vibes, and uh, and a similar sort of connection in terms of what areas they explore. He's clearly very influenced, I think, by the pulp fiction he'd presumably have read when he was growing up. Uh, things like your Flash Gordons and uh, Buck Rogers. But then he gives it this whole moralistic sensibility. That's one of the things I do think he does really well, is there's always a strong moral centre. You know, is there a is there a moment that's more sort of telling and true in the whole of classic Doctor Who than Planet of the Daleks and the speech about bravery and bravery b- being being scared and doing it anyway? I think this has been much talked about of late, but th- th- there was that big dispute about um, Trivial Pursuit years ago and th- there was a question which was incorrect, which is who created Doctor Who? And it's, uh, the answer was Terry Nation. And I think Sidney Newman actually managed to get them to change it, but... The, the truth is that Terry Nation sort of did create Doctor Who, certainly as we know it, and obviously not just the success of the Daleks, but the whole sort of the sort of adventure template that we kind of know and love really does come from him. He was a marvellous writer. I mean, in the best possible sense, a proper old pro. There's something very lovely about that whole Dalek mania period when the, the Daleks were so insanely popular and that sort of comic strip colourfulness which uh, which this sort this script reflects I think he's a, a strong writer with a with a great imagination and uh, obviously the Daleks have lived in people's heads for decades so you do get a real sense of how how strong his world is but there's more to him than the Daleks you know you go a few feet in one direction you get another great concept and few more the other way you get something else which was one of the reasons why when we were looking for a for a universe to explore really his felt like it was potentially quite a rich and exciting place to dive into my name is chris jarman and i play the roles of the pastor vest the billboard and i'm the voice of the golem as well One of the things I love about jobs like this is the opportunity to play lots of different roles because it's fun. I get to throw ideas out there and and then have to stick with them. <laughs> I don't know whether you can tell, but my voice is a little bit hoarse now because of an option that I uh, made uh, with the Gorlin. The Gorlin's quite brutish and um, loud, um, slightly monotone aggressive vocal sound so there's an effect that I, I, I got to hear one um, before I did it so I was kind of slightly tuning into what's been done previously and um, uh, that was a lot of fun I um, am vocally a little tired from that all the different roles are hopefully very different to the year and yeah I've enjoyed playing them the, the past uh, was I don't know I just kind of just kind of threw something out there and went, okay, let's let's see what happens, and then and then stick with it. I hope it tells the story well. Um, it was fun to do. Oh, crash TARDIS movie, debris from the time war. Hey, mm, Doctor. Oh, hello. It's you. You were outside the Sheldrake building. Correct. What are you doing here? How did you get in? Always the wrong questions, Doctor. You should have let me preach. A gun? Not very religious, is it? All right, all right, I'll hear your sermon. You're obviously very keen. I also play an SSS officer, Vesht, 
Also the voice of the billboard, which is uh, advertising the time tunnels. Watching soon from Shelburne Industries, the time tunnels. Never be late again. For a price. Well, it definitely had me on the edge of my sofa as I read it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's the first time I'm getting to work with um, John Dorney's words from Big Finish, so that's quite exciting. I know John from um, way back when, when I was uh, mere hatchling at Lambda training. And, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. It's a fun script. The Visians are an aggressive species, yes, but we've invaded their environment. We need to leave it as soon as possible, and I don't have my TARDIS. How did you get here? Presumably you've got a ship of your own. Yes, but it's through the jungle. Oh, of course it is. Brilliant. I brought the Visians in, largely because I was looking over the old Terry Nation stories and going, well, what's a fun monster to bring back? What's a fun monster to explore? I found when I'd been dealing with uh, the Dalek Masterplan delegates in the Syndicate Master Plan, that there was something really lovely about aliens like that. A, a character or monster in a story where there is a history with the Doctor, but we don't actually know too much about them. So you could, so, so there's a lot more room to explore. Uh, you know, if you bring back the Daleks or the Cybermen, there is a lot of history and weight that goes with that, whereas bringing back the Visions, you can kind of do anything. And I think pretty much the main reason I decided to go with them was the moment that turns up uh, in the first episode with Malkin blasting out the lights in order to take away their supposed advantage and the doctor pointing out that an invisible monster is likely going to be blind, uh, which is always one of those little things people tend to miss when they're writing invisible creatures that I thought would be fun to throw in. I'm Juliet Aubrey, and I play Esther Malkin, who is head of space security. I'm open to other suggestions. We can workshop it as we go. In the meantime, I need to see what's occurring downstairs. Feel free to follow at your own pace, Commander. Yeah, uh, I... Uh... I think I'll, I'll stay and uh, fix up the hose pipes. She's a bit of a newcomer to the scene. She's not great on um, being out of her comfort zone and there's a, a fun awkwardness and a lack of experience to her lace with the need that she has to be in control and run the operation. So she won't be patronised, makes the most of her authority to keep her team under control. And in reality, though, she's a bit... She's one of those people that if, <laughs> if you went on a camping trip, she'd probably go home in the middle of the night because she's much more suited to the urban jungle, not uh, exploring the rubbles of burnt-out spaceships whilst being chased by a Tyrannosaurus rex. It's a real adventure. I mean, it takes the listener on a journey, hopefully. One always hopes that the listener is transported into uh, the unknown. It's just full of unexplained happenings and mysterious explosions and it cracks along at a really good pace and actually it's really quite funny. Look, Mr. Seven, or whatever your name is. Mark is perfectly acceptable, Commander Markin. Well, I'll tell you what isn't perfectly acceptable, uh, Mark. All this, my crew dead, gunfire, no explanations. We need to speak to the top floor now. I quite agree. I'm heading there as we speak. Do you wish to accompany me? Uh, well, uh, uh, I suppose, yes. To be honest, playing Helen in Primeval was just fantastic. I loved every minute of it. It was the perfect antidote to a lot of roles that I played up to that point where people were seeing me as uh, the purity and light ever since playing Dorothea in Middlemarch. Uh, 
there was a sort of it was a for me it was a deliberate choice to go against that typecasting of of being the um the sincere good person i mean helen is bad so how was it i mean filming primeval was crazy you were constantly being chased by a tyrannosaurus rex uh, but it would actually be a an assistant director on a quad bike screaming at you, or a lollipop on a stick. It was very funny, you had a lot of laughs. It was a very physical role. Yeah, I basically, I loved every minute of it. I loved playing an eco-warrior, and I loved how strong she was and how fit she was, and yeah, she's a strong woman. I think as well, we were really keen on the idea of that mashing up of classic and new series that I think Big Finish does so well. So finding a very distinctly classic series era to drop the Tenth Doctor in and see what happens, uh, it gave us a lot of opportunities. It gave us the opportunity to do a bit more Dalek action for the Tenth Doctor, which probably wouldn't fit in terribly well within his existing stories and within his existing seasons, and, and gave us the opportunity to tell some other stories outside of the, the Time War framework. I'm Andrew Smith, and I wrote The House of Kingdom for the Tenth Doctor Dalek Universe series. It's... Uh daunting as it always is really <laughs> to be asked to take on something new and uh, particularly a new doctor and particularly the 10th doctor you know um, David's performance a character who became I- iconic you know in such a short period of time so yeah it's a little bit nerve-wracking but uh, I hope I've done it justice and uh, with the help of my uh, script editor John Dorney as ever keeping it uh, true to the original Hello company Five hundred zero revive a mechanoid. Mechanoid English recovered. Yes, recovered. I'm fine. It's also been a, a pleasure to mix sort of modern series with old, if you like. So we've got the Tenth Doctor going back to the time of the Dalek Master Plan, William Hartnell series written by Terry Nation back in the 60s so uh, we have him facing off against mechanoids and Varga plants that appeared in um, the shores of that era written by Terry Nation you know a a wonderful combination of eras that I think melts together uh, very well I've been wanting to bring the mechanoids back for ages and um it kind of just so happens that we brought them back twice, once in The Diary of River Song 8 and once in Dalek Universe. But, I mean, I have to say, I, th- I mean, I, I went into The Diary of River Song 8, episode 4, in the frame of mind that it was a prequel episode to Dalek Universe anyway, because it, it starts to set up the River Song, Anya and Mark dynamic with the mechanoid so it, it, it does pave the way for where we're going in the course of Dalek Universe um, and we were working on the scripts of that at the same time as doing Dalek Universe they were kind of re- produced and recorded around the same time so it, it just it just feels to me that that one episode of River Song is part of this set as well. How long have I been here Mechanoid 20? 31 days doesn't time fly when you're having fun? You've spoken to nobody but mechanoids for all that time. Oh, they're not bad company. A little cumbersome, perhaps, and positively taciturn, but they are very eager to please. Uh, speaking of which, mechanoid three... Nutrition. Hydration. Uh, no, I'm all right, thanks. And I... 
don't. I, I'm an android. Really? Oh, I must say, you're terribly realistic. Many people say that. Down to the, uh, smallest detail. <laughs> so I've written, written the mechanoids. I had actually pitched an idea for them a few years ago that uh, uh, we finished up not doing, but I had some notes on that and I went back and watched really their, their single episode appearance. They appear at the very end of episode five of Serial Called The Chase, another deterioration of course, Serial back in the 60s and then in the final episode. Uh, they, have only, they have only a very few lines of dialogue which are composed of fairly random words really and uh, at times and numbers. So I tried to pick up on that speech pattern for them and exploit the fact that in that serial it was established that they were used for clearing colony planets. So it seemed to me that they'd also be the obvious tool to go to for terraforming. And in fact, one of the very first ideas I had for this series, uh, for this story rather, was to finish up with the Doctor and companions being chased by mechanoids through a landscape that the mechanoids were clearing and destroying on an epic scale, and I can't wait to hear what a sound designer has done with that. Well, I'm certainly aware of the mechanoids. I mean, they, they only appeared on screen the once, didn't they? But I think I think they, they sort of punch above their weight in terms of how they're remembered and how they've been commemorated in merchandise and so on ever since. We didn't have a mechanoid voice uh, on the day we recorded, so it'll be interesting to hear that laid in, because they were very, very, very sort of... a very 1960s version of what a computer might sound like by memory so it'll be interesting to see that put into a, a modern day version of Doctor Who It seemed to me that Merrick Kingdom was someone who might well keep one of these on hand as a home help if uh, if you like and speaking of Merrick Kingdom yeah we have the wonderful Kevin McNally joining us cast in that role uh, which is a very pleasant surprise when I heard that Kevin of course has a connection with the TV series Going back to the uh, the 80s, he appeared in the very first Colin Baker serial, The Twin Dilemma. So it's going to be lovely to hear what he does with the part. And uh, when I heard he'd been cast, I just thought, yeah, absolutely, I can, I can imagine what he'll do with it. My name is Kevin McNally, and I'm playing Merrick Kingdom. This is Ep 3, Scene 11, Take 3. 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 Lena, my daughter, Anya's mother, it was an outer world that came under Dalek attack. It was obliterated. I'm sorry to hear that. I was too. You see, I was serving on the senior council of the Space Security Service at the time. Ah, oh, well, the SSS really does run in the Kingdom family. You know, he starts off as a very charming man and then he reveals a more sinister side and then really towards the end he has to make a very big moral decision. The only thing I have to work out is how a callous, selfish monster like you could be my grandfather. I love you, Anya. Never doubt it. Please, just do as she says. I'm never going to let her get away with this. I love Kevin McNally. I wanted to say I love you, Kevin, which, you know, if we'd been in the green room, I would have been able to say to him surreptitiously, but when everyone else is listening, you think, I'm going to look a... Yeah... But no, if, if it had been real life, I'd have said, I love you, Kevin. I always have. And maybe he would have been frightened and run away. I mean, I didn't get that opportunity to do that when everyone else was listening. So, yeah, he's, a, he's an amazing actor, isn't he? He's amazing. And he did it so brilliantly. 
And um, yeah, I love that he's my granddad. That's a great plan. I was seven years old when it um, when Doctor Who started, and I've enjoyed it all the way through to the present day. So the chance, this is my third time. I, I did an actual Doctor Who back in the 80s and it was the twin dilemma. It was um, Colin Baker's first one. Uh, my memory is that it was such a fun time and uh, I got to go to the um, famous gravel pit. Um, I can't remember where it was now. And, and actually step in and out of the TARDIS. I mean, I was, like, I was like a kid playing really. It was great. When I go to conventions, a, a lot of people will come up and, and, and want a picture of um, uh, of the of the twin dilemma, so I I always have a I always have about fifty photographs of me in that ludicrous costume at the ready. I've never worked with Kevin McNally before. I mean, he's a he's a proper actor, isn't he? He's a good news, yes, lovely to do scenes with him, and it's, what a voice he has too, so resonant and uh, a perfect foil for Anya. You know, we've been very lucky with the people we've had coming on board, and uh, as we go through this sort of space opera to have all these characters brought so kind of clearly to life by a whole range of wonderful actors. It's been a treat. I think David brought to it a charm that had perhaps been missing and a sort of an impishness that I think people really readily responded to. I mean, he's certainly up there as one of my favourite doctors, although, you know, it's very hard to choose because I've known them all, you know. So uh, I I think it was that. It's It's a wonderful creation. Hello, my name is Maria Teresa Creasy, and I play Dr. Abigail Crane. Are you seriously suggesting I should have left my granddaughter to die? From what I recall, you don't exactly get on. Abigail, be realistic. They're a security risk. It's a bit late to worry about one of those, isn't it? If you hadn't lost those blasted things in the but first place. But I did, place. and we have to deal with the consequences. It's being dealt with as an accident, and my people are running the inquiry. Well, I would describe her as, well, a doctor, first off. She is a woman working in what feels like a predominantly male world. Probably worked pretty hard to get where she is. And I think, ultimately, even though she is not someone, you know, she's not the goody in the story, she comes from a very serious place of love with what she does. She just maybe, maybe goes about it the wrong way. And I guess my approach to playing her would be, you know, she's very specific about what she wants. And so that's her focus. But why is she so specific about what she wants? And um, we find that out uh, in the story. The powers that be felt they'd got a better prospect elsewhere. All this time, this expense. I had to make it back somehow. If it meant selling to the highest bidder, I was willing You're a decorated member of the SSS. So, I don't owe them anything. My biggest childhood memories of Doctor Who were not actually watching it because I grew up in the States and Doctor Who was on, I think it was Sunday nights. And uh, my dad uh, was a Brit. And so, you know, that was that was his time. And Doctor Who was definitely on the lineup. And I, I know, I remember that he, he had a great time watching it. I wasn't really allowed to watch them, if I'm going to be honest, because it was past my bedtime. But obviously, I... <laughs> How can I not know Doctor Who? And I've fallen more in love with it uh, as I've gotten older. And then moving to the UK, I mean, you, you know, you've got to be living under a rock to not know that Doctor Who is, is a massive phenomenon. And also just really special to people. So I play also play um, Dr. Helena Russell in another audio series with Big Finish called Space 1999. 
that is also a space series, but maybe falls in the gray area of could this really happen? Doctor Who, I feel like, lives in its world and we know it's happening, but it doesn't feel like the parallels of, of real life are, are so much as much of a concern. Whereas in Space 1999, it feels like, although it's really out there for us, I mean, in light of the world today, you know, pandemics and things, could it happen? Maybe. Maybe. Would, you know, will we be in an alternate universe eventually? Who knows? But it's fun. It's, it's drama. It's high stakes. And I think Helena Russell in that is quite interesting in regards to thinking about Dr. Crane and Dr. Russell because they both genuinely come from a place of love and I, and I think have worked really hard to get to positions that they are in, probably with not a lot of females around, you know, camaraderie in that kind of way, you know, fighting to get to the top. And it's interesting to see Maybe one woman choosing one way and thinking this is the only way to make a difference. And the other woman, you know, taking another path. And how they, you know, what happens to them in the end, I guess. <laughs> and how they how they choose to, to quote unquote, fight their battles. Yeah, it's a great it's a great listen as well. Yeah, also in this story, so the companions of the Doctor are Anya Kingdom and Mark Seven. Mark is a new character to me, and I familiarised myself with him with some scripts and storylines, particularly scripts that John uh, Dorney sent through to me, so I got used to his speech patterns, and again, hopefully I've, uh, I've done him justice, and John has kept me honest in that regard. You all right? I'm unharmed. Told you I had an idea. We just needed to distract him. Thanks for that. You shut it down? Oh, better than that. Much better. Now, writing for Anya Kingdom, well, I have written for that character, you know, played by Jane Slaven. I've um, written for Anya, if you like, in her previous incarnation of Anne Kelso, a female police officer in London from the 70s, in her debut story, The Sinestrian Kill for the Fourth Doctor. And, of course, Anne's character persona turned out to be a little bit more complicated than that, and she's now Anya Kingdom, an agent of the Space Security Service. But I can still see aspects of... Anne Kelso in Jane's characterization of uh, of Anya. She's a little colder, a little more ruthless than Anne Kelso, but I've been able to play around with that a little bit in this story because um, they've established her family tree and, uh, you know, we meet her, her grandfather and I've loaded her with uh, a certain amount of emotional baggage because he has a grandfather, close relative that, of course, she'd rather... She'd far rather she never saw again. And um, that aspect was uh, very nice to uh, play around with. And I really can't wait to hear what all of our wonderful cast um, uh, have done when they, when they play around with that. My name's Howard Carter, and I'm doing the sound design and music for Dalek Universe. Dalek Universe is definitely the largest big finished project I've worked on thus far. But it's also one of the strangest because the majority of it's been done during the various lockdowns this year. I began work on the edits during the first lockdown, um, back during the summer in June-July time, and started on the bulk of the sound design work in December, uh, where I'm based in London. We were in a second lockdown then. And I've been finishing up on the first volume over Christmas and into the new year. Well, don't like goodbyes, never have. So, if you'll excuse me, one quick time bubble. Temporal anomaly detected. No. A Dalek! A Dalek's greatest enemy has been located! <laughs> 
These episodes were some of the first that were recorded entirely online, so the initial challenge was just bringing all the elements of the recordings together. Um, obviously all the actors were at home in their various studios, and it was a case of making sure everything was of a certain quality, which meant that in post-production we can get it up to the usual big finish standard. And that, of course everything came together in a coherent way to make a radio play. I'm slightly uh, paranoid about how many friends of mine have set up their home studios in sort of week one of lockdown and have been recording incessantly ever since but this is my first go uh, so I've created this thing out of cardboard boxes and a duvet and it's very warm but it seems to have worked it's rather jolly actually so um, it's uh, yeah it's, I mean it, obviously it, what we're all missing is the big finished green room and the lunches and the camaraderie I mean that's the simple truth it's been lovely to catch up with people and just have a chat the way that one does on a big finish day, largely chat, a little bit of work, and then more chat. <laughs> so it's been very charming, actually, to go back. I wish it was longer. It's definitely a um, a new skill set, and I have never appreciated my sound engineers, directors, everybody, producers more. <laughs> we always appreciate them. <laughs> but, you know, just when you think, as an actor, that you are you know, getting pretty good at all this stuff. Something happens and you think, I am not trained enough to know how to deal with this. Because you, you know, you want to be a team player and you want to be a part of it all. But um, you don't want to be the one that makes a mistake. But no, it's been it's been really nice doing it in lockdown. But I do. I miss, you know, seeing people in person, just like everybody, whether it be working or not and and getting to catch up. Recording in lockdown has been all right, never as good as the real thing. There's not as many social snacks and tea breaks and chats, but um, I still feel very connected to everybody down the line. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be able to work at all in lockdown, really. So it's been, it's been really nice to set this up and, and have some connection in some way to work and people who aren't my husband and child as much as I love them. <laughs> The only bonus about recording from home is the distance that I have to travel from bed to um, to the studio. So I don't have to worry about any uh, problems with traffic or late trains and stuff like that because uh, it's, well, I just, it's next door. So that's kind of fun. That That's nice. It's lovely being in this situation. It would be really nice to, if we could all see each other in real life, but we're all, you know, in our various cupboards and there is something really intimate about it, but also, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to spend the day with these people in real life. That's the, the only thing. It's been really glorious. The amount of audio I've done over the last six weeks has been fantastic. And it's great that it seems to be the one thing that's truly surviving in its, you know, it's still in really good quality and as it was before. But I really do miss humans. <laughs> I do wish there was one universal way to record because, uh, as I was saying to the guys earlier, every time I do a different project, I get sent a different set of equipment. I could honestly open a hobby shop in my study at the moment. It's just full of, of flight cases and <laughs> computers and little boxes and wires. It's extraordinary. It's really quite exciting. It's not like being with everyone because obviously you see each other on the Zoom, yeah, but it's... I miss, obviously, the physical contact of being with everyone, but the, the upside, you can just wear whatever you want to. So lots of fun and a big journey 
Yeah, the Doctor Who was one I really enjoyed very much. I enjoy it, but uh, but I do miss the studio. It's nice. I miss the camaraderie of the studio. It's a uh, it's it's a nice space to to create in, but also some of the the most fun bits can be actually sat in the green room waiting to record because there's a few of us out there and uh it's the banter's fun and uh it's yeah yeah it's enjoyable so yes i i can't wait for that to um begin again when it whenever it does it is quite different from being in the studio you know it has its pluses and its minuses easier to run downstairs and grab a cup of tea and deal with my toddler and my baby but you know yeah that connection i think that we all that we all miss during this kind of crazy crazy time well, it's, it's essential, isn't it? I mean, the strange thing is, because nobody knows how long it's going to go on. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who, who's doing a voiceover, and he's actually going into Soho to do it. I mean, the wonderful thing is, unlike most um, entertainment, certainly theatre, which is in desperate peril, I was very impressed at how quickly Big Finish kind of got everything together like this. It's, it's interesting. The, te- the technology is sort of pushed forward by emergencies, isn't it? And I think everyone's got very used to this very quickly. I've saying that, but I've probably just deleted all the files I've recorded, so <laughs> wait and see. For each edit, we have a collection of files, including all of the actors' local recordings. They record onto their laptops or iPads in their studios at home. And then we have a central feed, which is collated and curated by the engineer, whoever's working on the project. Between these two sets of files, whoever's editing these episodes has to bring together all the disparate elements, all the different takes, stitch them together, clean them up, and make them sound like all one coherent play recorded in one place. Oh! Why? You singed my coat! More of them! A lot more! I never feel we're running out of steam because every day of the week, you know, we're just coming up with ideas. I mean, just just yesterday, Jason Hay Gallery emailed me and said, oh, I've just had a really brilliant idea. How about this? And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. But how about if we added this to it? And suddenly we're all responding to the email and this chain email just starts to blossom and grow and snowball into something else that's exciting. And that... That really, to me, is what part of the Big Finish experience is. I mean, I love working in creative teams and I love it when the ideas all fire off each other. So that's what's, that's what's, that's what's happened with this, really. You know, I threw out the germ of the idea to John Dorney and then to the writers and they'd come back with something that was infinitely better. Um, but that's part of the thrill of the process is just seeing where other people take it. It's always a pleasure and a privilege working with David Tennant's Doctor. Uh, We've been doing a lot this year uh, for obvious reasons, so lots of exciting things coming. What lies ahead in box set two? Well, I think you can expect the Daleks to possibly come into the frame a bit more. We will be exploring Mark Seven's history. We will be stepping into his background. And we also have a really lovely contained and highly emotional script by Rob Valentine, which I think really allows the lead characters to to shine. It's mainly all on, on them. So yeah, it's good stuff. 